Welcome to the Everybody's Soccer Podcast. This is your host, Bill Reno. Last week, I spoke with Tracy Noonan, formerly known as Tracy Ducar, who was the backup goalkeeper for the 1999 Women's World Cup side. And now she runs her own goalkeeping camp called Dynasty Goalkeeping out in North Carolina. Uh, you can give them a follow on Twitter, Dynasty GK. Um, a lot of great stuff they're doing there. They put out a lot of really good goalkeepers, so just a few to name. There have been a lot, just a few. Uh, Ashlyn Harris, who's at Orlando now, um, been with the national team several times. Uh, Ali Gay, who's out in Sweden. Kelsey Quinn's Australia. Megan Kennelman's in Norway. Caroline Stanley was with Seattle this, this last season. Pretty sure she's still a free agent at the moment, uh, but she's going to land somewhere. Uh, we had some seniors drafted recently. Britt Eckerstrom from Penn State. Caroline Casey got drafted as well. Megan Cofield's overseas right now. Uh, we still have a lot of co- college goalkeepers, so like EJ Proctor at Duke, Caleb Smith, Virginia Tech. All those goalkeepers came through Dynasty Goalkeeping. And uh, just on those names alone, a lot of high-level goalkeepers, they clearly know what they're doing. So I tracked down Tracy, talked a little bit about uh, her camp, kind of what makes it tick, and uh, what makes it different from any other goalkeeping camp. She had a lot of good responses. Uh, we talked a little bit about you know, why it's just a you know, women's only goalkeeper. Well, or women's goalkeeper only camp, or uh, you know, what's a common mistake she sees in high school uh, keepers at the moment. So take a listen. Uh, I will say I didn't do the best job of setting it up, so just push through that kind of awkward <laughs> first intro there. Um, Tracy's going to give a little bit of background on herself, which is kind of lengthy because she played at a very high level herself. So uh, she's going to give that, and let's just start talking a little bit about the goalkeeping camp. So give a listen and uh, follow them on Twitter at DynastyGK. Hey, Tracy, it's Bill Reno. How are you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, well, hey, uh, first thing, just thanks uh, a lot for putting some time aside and uh, willing to talk about your camp. And, you know, I'm sure you're willing to talk about your camp, just anyone, but you know, I appreciate you giving me a little bit of time to put on the podcast and kind of spread the word. So, um, But yeah, if you, if you want to go ahead and just jump into it, unless you have any questions on your end. No, I'm all good when ready when you are. <laughs> okay, good deal. Um, well, how about you go ahead and just give us a little background on your involvement in soccer, just in case anyone isn't quite familiar with who Tracy Noonan is. Um, so... <laughs> a big, I, big question I there. Really, where do you want me to start? That's a big question. Uh, let, let's go ahead. I mean, you, obviously it's a long career, but why don't you go ahead and give me a little bit about just major accomplishments, just to, I guess, give the listeners an idea that you're not just a random person with a goalkeeper camp. <laughs> Grew up in Massachusetts, played club, did some ODP growing up, went as far as kind of regional team pool as a youth player, um, ended up at University of North Carolina um, more as a recruited walk-on, um, mainly just because I um, got into school academically and then became recruited kind of as a reserve player, uh, saw it as an opportunity, so I came down here and competed for time. Took some time, but eventually worked my way into a starting role after about three years and um, won three national championships here, uh, one of which when I was starting, the others I would have been a reserve. Um, ended up as um, All-American selection as a senior and then um, went on to play with the national team when I graduated. Um, got in with the national team right after graduating and was with the national team from 96 through 99, so I was on the World Cup team. Um, as a reserve, basically, to Brian Scurry. Uh, I have 24 caps playing with the national team. That was an unbelievable experience playing with them. And then, um, fortunately, was able to continue my career when the WUSA came around, playing for the Boston Breakers. 
um, great opportunity for me to go and play in kind of my hometown area, and so that was fun. Played three three seasons there, one of which I uh, was a starter. The other two, I suffered from injuries, so never really kind of found my full. Um, I don't know. Never really got into my kind of full flow. I had other two seasons due to knee injuries, so um, and then ended up retiring out of um, soccer when the league folded. Uh, it was just the right time for me based on injuries, and then got into coaching. Um, started my coaching career as a head coach at Greensboro College, which is kind of a small D3 down here. And then um, after two seasons there, just decided that um, wasn't really the right fit for me coaching-wise. It wasn't as fulfilling for me um, and the things that I wanted to do, accomplish. So that's what kind of prompted me to start my goalkeeping school. Um, so basically in 2006, started Dynasty Goalkeeping. And been doing that ever since. All right, so so somewhat of a moderately accomplished career, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, but okay, so before we get into the goalkeeping camp, and this will kind of transition into it pretty well, I think. But talk a little bit about your development as a player. And I know you said you had walked on to UNC. But t- tell me a little bit about playing in high school and some ODP and stuff, and what was goalkeeping coaching like for you? from these days. Uh, my goalkeeping training um, was solely coming through my soccer camps at Soccer Plus during the summer. So I basically got one week of summer where that was all the goalkeeping coaching that I received. Um, clubs in those days did not have goalkeeper coaches. Uh, my high school coach had limited background in goalkeeping, although I give him huge credit because anytime there was a goalkeeping coaching session, he was there. So he was always uh, trying his best to expand his knowledge so that he could help me. Um, so any clinic, any camp on goalkeeping that Tony was doing in you know the New England area, my dad was awesome and he would shuttle, shuttle me to it. Um, but like I said, it was largely about one week of summer that I got to. And um, that was where my you know technical foundation was definitely formed. Uh, and I learned about the position and became you know really passionate about being a goalkeeper when I kind of got into that environment around all these other goalkeepers. I definitely found my niche. Sure. And, and how did that change going into UNC? Um, was there more of a specific focus for you, or was it still kind of um, you know, a little bit more thin? Um, no, as far as the goalkeeping coaching? Yeah, yes, yes. Um, yeah, no. Fortunately, we had a, a goalkeeper coach here. It was more of a part-time position, though, at that point. Um, and I think I had three different goalkeeper coaches, um, just trying to do the math. Yeah, three different goalkeeper coaches that, uh, over my, you know, four and a half years here, I have registered my freshman year. So to me, actually, you know, I liked having the different goalkeeper coaches because I got different bits of information and philosophies out of each one of them. Um, and for me, still as a young goalkeeper, it was super helpful to receive, you know, different philosophies. So I liked having different goalkeeper coaches. Sure. what that's worth um, and you know we had uh, opportunities to train with them not necessarily every day but you know we had good chunks of time so that I felt like my needs were being met and if we weren't doing goalkeeping specifically then our goalkeeper coach was in behind us you know in the functional team environment yeah. so you know that definitely helped me a lot more on decision making and just a lot more coaching than I've been exposed to before then hmm. and how does uh, your, I guess, high school, college time compared to 
perhaps the average D1 goalkeeper now. Um, I, I guess what I'm picking up is a little bit lack of coaching then compared to now. It seems a little bit more focused. Would that be right? Yeah, I mean, high school, I think, is still the same. High school is high school. You don't get very much um, goalkeeper coaching nowadays. Um, in the club environment, for sure, there's a lot more goalkeeper coaching, and there's a lot more private coaching available um, from goalkeeper specialists. So that, for sure, has changed greatly, uh, the club environment. Um, college environment, you know, I think that now it's more common um, that almost all the ones are going to have a full-time goalkeeper coach. Um Although there are still, you know, exceptions to that, where it's part-time or it's a knowledgeable second assistant that may be a field player coach with goalkeeping expertise, um, or, you know, so it just really depends, but I think it has certainly progressed. Okay. Um, well, okay, let's, let's fast forward a little bit now to, you know, you set, set up your camp, Dynasty Goalkeeping. Let's say a player's coming in for the first time. Uh, what should they expect coming in um, to camp if they don't know anything about it? size to camp as far as camper to coach ratio you know how does that even out and then I guess on top of that who are the coaches you bring you're bringing in are we looking at more student athletes that are off in the summer or uh, club coaches right uh so a ratio I would say is pretty much untouched as far as I'm as far as I know um in the past we've been four to one ratio of campers to coaches and actually this summer we're going to three to one so okay. I coach. Um, so they're going to have a lot of um, coaches out on the field. As far as who I hire, I'd say it's a mix. Um, my my key core staff are former uh, collegiate players that are, you know, most of them are coaching collegiately now themselves. Um, so it's more college coaches. Um, I would say, just looking at my list for the summer, I would say probably every yeah, every week that I have, um, I've got at least one, what I would call uh, more of a senior staff coach that has been with me for several years and, like I said, are, is coaching collegiately um, and play collegiately themselves. And then um, my other assistants would be current collegiate players, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of my pro weeks. My pro weeks won't ever have a collegiate player as a staff coach because it's collegiate players that are at my pro weeks. So I don't want them being coached by one of their peers. Right, right. 
Sure. Um, you know, in addition, um, the staff coaches that are my collegiate coaches are all products of our camp. Hmm. Um, very rare that I would make, you know, it's, it's not that I wouldn't hire somebody else, but it's rare uh, because the, they're our best coaches. They know our, our system. They believe in our system, and um, they make good coaches. Yeah. You know, and I... I have a very small staff, so they all need to be very tuned in, and I demand a lot of my staff just as much as I demand a lot of my campers. So it's better that they kind of understand our philosophy so that they're not shocked as a staff coach coming in. Sure, sure. Uh, and can you elaborate a little bit more on your philosophy? You know, what's what's something you're looking for in a coach that, you know, maybe they're a little bit more focused on mechanics or footwork or – uh, communication. What, what's something as far as uh, philosophy details for dynasty goalkeeping? Um, definitely looking for paying attention to kind of the little details to me that make a world of difference. Um, you know, the catching and the you know everyone's kind of got the basics of the catching, the diving, and, and that sort of stuff. But what it really comes down to, to me, at the elite level, whether it's college or beyond, it's the little details about body position, uh, in your set position, your hand position, your feet, you know, all these little minute details that can allow your body to take advantage of all of your physical potential. Um, if you're not, if your weight isn't right, if your hands aren't in the right place, all those little details will go into, you know, inconsistent catching, inability to take off on your dive properly, even though you have all the power in the world. Um, so really getting coaches that, you know, look for those little details that can be the margin. Um, so those would be, that would probably be one of the biggest things. And then in addition to that, I want coaches that are certainly fun. You know, we want that. <laughs> um, can communicate well and care about the students. Um, that's a big thing for me. And are competitive because if they can um, set that tone, then it's going to help the students to kind of learn what they're going to need to bring at that next level. That they've got to kind of have that competitive edge and that competitive fire. So I want coaches that can challenge the students in in games and show the product of what we're looking for. Uh, when we first started Dynasty, that was what I was still capable of doing. Now that I'm older and dealing with a lot, a lot more injuries, I can't get in there and in the mix and show that as much as I'd love to. Uh, so actually having staff coaches that can get in there and show it and, and bring that fire um, is important to me. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. I thought I saw a picture from this last summer of someone diving around in a hot dog suit. Is that is that yeah. accurate? Is that, was that you? or that is accurate. No, it's not me. Okay. <laughs> no diving on my part. I'm lucky to do a little bit of jumping and, and kicking still. Um, that was one of my top staff coaches, one of my senior staff coaches that – Loves to have fun. Um, <laughs> she was out there, better around. Okay, okay, good deal. Um, okay, well, you, you talked a little bit about um, kind of, I guess, some, some finer details of working with mechanics and stuff. What, what's the most common error you see with an incoming player, whether you know high school or college? Is there something that you're seeing more prevalent in the game these days, or is it just kind of a, a variety of issues at the moment? We, uh, like myself and my kind of my veteran staff coaches, are always looking to find new ways to address <laughs> um, is breakaways. 
Um, I think there's a tendency with females more so than with males, but I mean, it definitely happens on the men's side of the game as well, but I think less so, uh, is how they slide into breakaways, the actual technique. Uh, the decision-making you know, piece can be there, the courage can be there, but they're, they're sliding in more with legs and hips and their hands and head are last. I think mm. it's, you know, just poor technique. And it maybe it actually, you know, it does reflect a bit of uh, mentality and a, a little bit of a fear factor of not wanting to get hit. But the sad part is they actually set themselves up more for injury when they go in that way. Right, right. So and that, I would, that's probably a, a common one. Hmm. And not to mention, you know, red card obviously would be an issue of going feet first there. So double whammy for the the yeah, goalies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think you know they're getting the right technique when they're young, and so they kind of just figure it out on their own and aren't really being coached that good technique. And then they've got this really bad habit that's you know layered in there and is hard for them to overcome. Um, I, I guess rewinding a little bit, and you had talked about. I guess just having in high school just kind of that one week of goalkeeping training and then, you know, the rest of it, it sounds a lot like it's kind of just like, like you said, on you figuring it out. Uh, how do you deal with a player who has, you know, figured it out for their whole life, but they've they've kind of in, instilled these bad habits in themselves? How do you deal with them? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's bringing them into our environment and starting to introduce them to some different techniques and then, you know, giving them – specific drills that they can take home, you know, and they may still have that environment at home. I mean, some of these kids go back to some small towns. I've got a kid that lives in Idaho, you know, and yeah, she doesn't have access, you know, to great goalkeeper coaching up there or consistent training. Uh, She has to travel pretty far to get in with a good club. Um, So for students like that, that, you know, don't come from soccer hotbeds, it is still on them very much like it was for me growing up to get out there with a ball and train on your own, whether it's with the wall, whether it's with your parents, whether it's with one of your teammates, you know, so giving them uh, exercises, some of them are in their student manual that they receive at camp, and others are ones that they, you know, are required to, if they're really responsible and motivated students, they should be taking notes during the week. Uh, It's no different than how it was when I went through camp, so I'm not going to hand them over all the tools. They've got to kind of want to be driven, because if you're going to be good in the sport, you're going to have to to do it on your own. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and, and you had mentioned earlier, I guess maybe the the most notable thing for dynasty goalkeeping, or, or just something I just thought was interesting, was that it, there's only female goalkeepers there. And I guess I'm curious about um, what the advantages are on y'all's end for doing that, and then if adding a boys section at some point in the future was in mind, or is it solely intended to just just have girls there? Um, well, the, one of the main reasons. Um, structured that way initially was um, because logistically I didn't want to manage having girls and boys um, staying in dorms together and having to manage you know teenagers <laughs> being you know semi-supervised sure, um, sure. granted it works well in many other camp environments but in a small camp environment wasn't something you know that I wanted to have to basically police. I wanted my students that were there to be focused on goalkeeping and not on, you know, attracting the attention of the opposite sex because it's inevitable right. in teenagers, whether they say they're not, you know, <laughs> thinking that way, they are. Sure, sure. Uh, so, um, you know, I mean, I, I've been to camps at that age and I just, you know, we all know that that's, you know, a loss of focus issue. Right. So I want them there 
um, focus and, you know, liability-wise, I don't want to have to manage that either. So it's kind of both of those. Sure. Um, and then, you know, what I've you know found in structuring that, which was interesting, was the camaraderie that develops between these high-level, you know, super uh, competitive goalkeepers has been fabulous. I mean, it was it's kind of like a side effect that I wasn't anticipating is how they bond and help each other in ways like they're competitive on the field and in the games just as much as I'd want them to be. But then, you know, they're super helpful, help, you know, off the field and picking up little coaching points and giving each other, you know, positive feedback, picking each other up in ways that you wouldn't necessarily always see, um, I think, in the male-female environment. Fair. All right. And, and I, mean, I think it allows the girls to kind of develop uh, and show themselves a little bit more in a leadership role. In a girls' boys' camp, I think a strong female may still kind of assert herself, you know, but that kind of semi-shy female is going to be intimidated, uh, you know, and won't necessarily develop the confidence in the same way that, that she would in an environment like this. Sure. And so, I mean, it's it's clearly working. So, uh, I guess, has there been any uh, plans to add a boys section in the future, or is it kind of just like, hey, this is working, let's keep with this? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I've definitely spent some good time and thought uh, investigating running a boys camp. I kind of have in my mind how I would do it. Uh, it's just a matter of whether I pulled the trigger on it or not. Hmm. Uh, so... It's, it's constantly in the discussions. Sure, sure. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, and I, in my winter camps, uh, I do, on my little weekend winter camps, when they're not overnight, they are open to girls and boys. Um, so, for instance, in my winter camp that's coming up in Sparks, Nevada, which is just outside of Reno, uh, that's coming up at the end of February, it's boys and girls for both my youth section and my kind of older elite kind of high school group. Um, and I have a, a boy that's been in that camp for oh, probably the entire time I've been running it, five, six years oh. now. Uh, and I actually made an exception and allowed him to come to, to camp last summer. So he oh. is our one sole male member that has made it to summer camp. <laughs> All right. That's- Oh, they're good. good. Very strict rules. <laughs> I don't. I don't doubt it. I don't. Doubt it. He, must, he must be pretty good to, to get that exception. So. Yeah, he knew I was uh, very strict. <laughs> good. Good. And so, and so did his parents. <laughs> so, oh, good. But he did well. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Um. Well, hey. Last question here. So, a goalie comes into camp. They're there for the week. They go through everything. What's something that they leave the camp with? Whether you know a physical something with them or something about their game or, you know, what is, what is the difference between a camper before camp and then after? Um, so the first thing would be an increase in confidence. Kids come in and have a really positive experience um, and they get a lot of good feedback and they leave feeling more confident in their game than when they showed up. Um, I, I'd say that's a pretty consistent response that I hear not only from the students but from the parents when they go back into their environments and are back playing. Um, that's feedback that I get, you know, like I said, from the parents, the coaches, the students. Um, so that's coming kind of more from their mouths. Um, the other thing I would say is they leave with uh, a greater tactical awareness of the game, um, which in theory should lead to improved decision-making. You know, whether it does or doesn't, that's kind of more on the student, but they definitely will get a lot of information on their positioning, communication, decision-making. Um, so tactically, they're getting 
you know, compounded with a lot of information. Uh, it's kind of up to each individual student how much they're able to kind of take in and then translate to their game. Um, but I would say that's also uh, a difference. It's not just, you know, we're not just sitting there giving them a lot of technical stuff. We really try and progress into more tactical environments and coach the tactics with them, not just create the environments, but really coach it. Next week we have an interview with John Bush, uh, currently playing for the NASL side in the 11, but he's played in MLS for a number of years. Uh, probably the highlight of there was 2008 MLS goalkeeper of the year. Uh, played with the U.S. national team, played with U.S. youth national teams. Uh, he's pretty much done it all. If you look at any MLS goalkeeping record, he's probably in the top 10. Very good goalkeeper. Um, he brags about being an open book. Uh, before the podcast, so I kind of called him on a little bit and try to pick his brain. So we, we talk about a variety of topics. Uh, a little bit lengthier podcast, but uh, it turned out really good. He had a lot of really good things to say, and um, yeah, we're pretty excited about that one. So come by next week when we yet again talk about American goalkeepers. Goalkeepers.